Advent. It's here. But why do we do Advent? And parents, how do we teach kids about the Advent services and and what all we we hear and see and learn what we what we receive in Advent services? You're listening to Faith and Family. I'm Andy Bates. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin, for supporting Faith and Family. Find out more about them at kfuo.org. Concordia University, Wisconsin, underwriter of Faith and Family. Find them in the sponsor section at kfuo.org. Joining me by phone this morning, the Reverend Anthony Oliphant, pastor at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois, with a great topic for us to look at, Advent and a parent's guide to Advent services. Pastor Oliphant, welcome back to Faith and Family. Thank you very much. Good to be here. I always enjoy talking about families in worship with you. You always have some great insights for us. How are things going this uh, Advent at Redeemer Lutheran Church in Elmhurst, Illinois? It's been going great. Uh, you know, we had that extra week in the church year. There well, felt like an extra week with an early <laughs> Thanksgiving. So, uh, but no, it uh, it's been going very well this year. Our children are getting ready for the uh, for their annual Christmas pageant, and so. Um, things are moving along at a, at a good clip. It was a, a, a different timing. It, it, as you said, it seemed like we had an extra year in the church year this year because Thanksgiving came earlier. Usually, I think we're used to uh, Thanksgiving occurring and then the following Sunday is the first Sunday in Advent, but it didn't didn't turn out that way this year. Right, yeah, this year we, we had probably about an extra 10 days. So what what is Advent? Why do we do Advent and uh, and then we'll get into how uh, how tips for parents uh, during Advent services. Yeah, it's it's definitely a fair question, um, especially when it seems like Christmas is starting in mid October. <laughs> um, but you know, Advent for the church, it's a it's a time to prepare. You know, it's it's no no small thing that the Son of God became man, uh, took on human flesh, and. There's a lot that we have to consider before we're willing to, you know, dive into that mystery. And so Advent gives us uh, a good four weeks, uh, a good four Sundays to really kind of ponder why he had to come. Uh, we can look at all of the various ways in which that was being foretold in way that this kind of sums up everything that Scripture has been leading up to until the point of his birth. Um, and so Advent really gives us a good time to really meditate on uh, on the mystery of Christ becoming man uh, right before we hit the uh, the celebration of that with Christmas. Sure, the words prophecy and uh, incarnation, foretold, all of these things come to mind when I think of Advent. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, the readings during Advent are terrific. The the hymns that look backward uh, to all of the the promises being made about this, and then also look forward to uh, to Christ's return. Uh, I mean, it it really just kind of sums up so much of human history uh, that it it really is just a, such a rich time in the church year, and a, a a beautiful time in the church year as well. But a time of we 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 describe it as a season of waiting, but. I think there's something that we perhaps overlook about the season of Advent, and I think this is directly related to my next question about liturgical colors. The mm-hmm. liturgical colors for Advent, uh, some places we would see blue or, or uh, violet or purple, what, whatever we want to call it. Or I, I don't know what the, the correct liturgical color is for that purple. Is it purple? Uh, usually I've heard it called violet. violet. Yeah. So purple or violet or blue that time of year, why those colors for Advent? 
you know, the um, Advent, as we're as we're thinking about why our Lord had to take on human flesh, the the main reason we have is sin and death. That we're um, we're kind of steeped in this, and we can't save ourselves. We need someone to enter uh, enter into our uh, existence and rescue us from these things. And Advent uh, historically has been a, a time of repentance in which we, um, you know, we'll, we may observe fasts if that's uh, within your piety, uh, but that's why violet has been a color of the church, of this time of the church here, uh, because it, it's the same as, uh, well, it, the color is the same as Lent. Now, and of course, the nature of our, of our, um, season of repentance here is slightly different than that of Lent, but, uh, and so we, but, but we do want to take a good look at the reasons of why our Lord had to come, and, and that is to, to bring us life that we could not otherwise receive, life and forgiveness. Uh, and so that's why we do see Violet. Um, then we also, uh, there are also within the tradition of the Church is to use the color blue, um, usually to mark it as being slightly different than that of uh, Lent. Um, this actually came up at our uh, at our circuit pastors meeting last week, um, talking about the, those who grew up with the violet uh, pyramids and candles on the Advent wreath uh, when they were uh, children, uh, that it, it was uh, a little bit confusing for them, and it wasn't until later on that they started to piece it together that these were two different times in the church here. But uh, So we do see blue being used as well. Um, and yet, that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't observe this um, season of penitence, where we, we're recognizing the reasons why our Lord had to take on human flesh and uh, come into human history. And as a parent, I think the, the color of the pyramids is always a great talking point, with, uh, particularly with younger children, because it's something that, that changes throughout the year. So this can be a, a meaningful talking point. Did you notice the change of the, the color of the pyramids? Or now we have candles that are, are the, the same colors as the pyramids um, or pastor's stole. Did you notice the change in those colors? I think those are, are valuable questions that can start a conversation with a child. And then we can uh, that can lead to a conversation about uh, this season of penitence or, or this repentance season, this penitential season, I should say. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, our, our Sunday school opening is held in the sanctuary, and it's for all of our grade levels, um, preschool through high school. And that's if we are on the beginning of a new church uh, season, church year season, or if we're observing a special saint's day, I will, um, I'll ask the children uh, what's different about the church today. And uh, usually they're able to pick out the change in the color right away. They remember from week to week what it looked like. And, of course, during Advent, it's a little bit easier for them, too, because we have additional things up. You know, Advent wreaths, the Christmas tree usually goes up with the Christmas. Um, but, no, the the change in pyramid color and change in stole color is really something that the kids pick up on. They notice um, even minor changes like that. Um, we've even had children at the beginning of uh our Sunday school opening, who have noticed that we didn't sing the Gloria that week. Um, now, we, we've had a couple of kids say uh, that the church service seems shorter because we didn't sing the Gloria, but, uh, <laughs> but other ones will just notice that there was a song that we usually sing that we didn't sing that week. Well, let's talk about that. Why the changes in the, the order of service or the liturgy? Why exclude the Gloria during Advent? Yeah, that's uh, that's a really good question. Um, the Gloria is one of our ordinaries that shows up from week to week in the service, except during these um, seasons of uh, penitence. And for Chris, uh, for Advent, it's 
we set aside this uh, this hymn of praise that was sung the night of Jesus's birth uh, by the angels, and uh, we kind of set it aside as part of our expectation, our anticipation of Christmas. Um, so we kind of uh, we forego using it for these four weeks um, in anticipation of the fact that this song is going to uh, to kind of burst forth in this glorious resurgence on Christmas Eve uh, when we actually join in the Song of the Angels, celebrating um, exactly what they were declaring to the shepherds that night. And so uh, so we, it, it's to help kind of increase the anticipation and to, uh, to remember what it is that we're looking forward to, that we're not quite to the fulfillment of this season yet, that that comes at Christmas. So by excluding or withholding that for a while, then we look forward to it all the more uh, when we sing that on uh, exactly. the Nativity. Yeah, right. You mentioned other things in the in the sanctuary during the season of Advent and Advent wreath. Certainly, one of those things that many congregations will have in their sanctuary. Mm-hmm. What do we know about the history of the Advent wreath? Why do we? Where did it come from? And why do we use it today? <laughs> uh, well, that actually, I, I've heard a couple of different things, and so I, I won't I won't get into all of them. But but we can say that the Advent wreath is a, as far as the liturgy goes, a, a fairly recent addition to things that we would see in the sanctuary. Um, that it it can refer to several different things. It can refer to these four different um, things that we're looking forward to um, during Advent. So the four candles can refer to uh, to love, joy, peace, and hope. Um, the four candles can also refer to the four centuries of silence uh, between the time of uh, the, the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi, and the, um, and the birth of Christ, as recorded in the Gospels. And so we can use these things, we can use it as a teaching tool for several different things, um, kind of helping teach what it is that uh, that we're really focusing on during Advent, so we can uh, we can we can use it in a variety of ways depending on uh, which sources we're drawing from as to um, how it's been used in the past. Other things about the uh, the service that might be different or unique, perhaps during the season of Advent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, the one thing that always comes to mind for me, and ever since I was a child, is the uh, the Advent hymns. Uh, they're they're these hymns that you know you grow up with, and you only sing them for a couple of weeks a year. But lyrically and musically, they they just stick in your mind. Mm-hmm. There's just there's something about them that uh, that they just they stay with you. And so, one thing that we'll focus on is we choose um, at Redeemer we choose a hymn of the month. And so we will sing that hymn every Sunday uh, during the month um, for our for our children's Christmas pageant. The children will be singing um, "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel," and they'll also be teaching the congregation the great O antiphons, um, the antiphons that are traditionally used in the days of the week leading up to Christmas. And so the children will be uh, speaking and chanting and singing those antiphons uh, that that "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel" is based on. Um, and so we can we can look to our herit- our liturgical heritage and the the hymnody that we have during Advent. Um, we can also look at the Psalms, the uh, the uh, the antiphons and the introit um, are just they're so rich as to, uh, to to what it is that Christ is doing uh, by coming into human flesh. And uh, so we can we can really 
dig in during those times. Also, um, most congregations will have um, Advent midweek services. Uh, this year, it just happens that our Wednesdays fall upon uh, Saints' Days and commemorations. Uh, so every Wednesday has a different Saints' Day attached to it. Um, this past week was Saint Nick. Uh, this past Wednesday was Saint Nicholas Day. Uh, this coming Wednesday is Saint Lucia Day, and then uh, next Wednesday is the commemoration of Katie Luther. And so at Redeemer, we're using those days to, uh, you know, because historically those saints' days are attached to different Christmas traditions throughout the world. Uh, and so we're we're kind of using those to look at uh, who these saints really were, uh, why the celebration of these days have been connected with the celebration of Christ's birth. Um, and then uh, we put that all within the context of evening prayer, which, of course, the um, liturgically, that uh, looks at light shining in the darkness, uh, which is a very common theme during Advent, especially here in the Northern Hemisphere, um, especially here in Chicago, where the sun is setting before 4.30 p.m. every day <laughs> during December. Um, but it, And then uh, also it looks forward to uh, Christ's return, um, Ad, uh, evening prayer does. And so we're, we're tying all of these themes of Advent together with uh, the saints of the past and also looking forward to the peace that we'll have with Christ's second Advent. You mentioned the hymnody of Advent. What is your favorite Advent hymn and why? <laughs> oh, <laughs> that one is pretty tough to choose from. Um, I would probably have to say um, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is definitely up there. Um, and I think it's just because of the, the imagery that it draws from all of the different titles for Christ that have been given to him by the prophets. Um, it also is just, it's so appropriate because, um, especially with the way that we see the world going now, we really do have to admit that we're in exile and we are looking forward to being released, uh, in the same way that, uh, that ancient Israel was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, as uh, as we hear in the book of Luke. Um, and so we, uh, and so I, that one I think has always just stuck with me because it helps us recognize, you know, this world is not the, it's not the end all be all. Um, it's not where it's not our final home. Uh, that we are looking forward to uh, to Christ's return um, in in a way that of course, is attached to his first coming at Christmas, uh, but and yet it's something also so much greater because it really will be the fulfillment of all history. You mentioned earlier that the children at uh, at Redeemer will be uh, leading and teaching the congregation the, the O Antiphons. Um, mm-hmm. Some might think that, that children can't learn these complex parts of the liturgy or the, the, the complex hymnody of our, uh, they, our, our heritage in the Church. What might you say to that? You know, I would say to that um, that we, we probably want to, you know, have a little bit higher expectation of our kids. Um, the way that their minds are wired, they're just, I mean, they're, they're primed, especially musically, to pick up these things. Uh, we have a full-time director of parish music at Redeemer, and a lot of the bulk of her work is with with kids. And uh, we have a children's choir that uh, their their favorite songs uh, to sing are things like Isaiah, Mighty Seer, uh, in days of old, and also we have um, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Uh, this is the children's choir's favorite songs, and even if they're not the ones that are 
helping out with the service that day. If the choir's not on, I can st- up in the front whenever we sing those hymns. I can still hear the various children uh, piping up mm-hmm. with this volume, um, and and it really does help show the. Uh, I think it helps show the adults. Look, the kids can get it. It's nothing to be afraid of. Um, it it appeals to uh, to the young people, which is often a concern of a lot of people. Um, but it also is it's just teaching them great theology, and and really at that point in their lives, uh, they're they're primed to be to be learning these things. Speaking of uh, the, the Advent services, many congregations, as you mentioned earlier, have uh, midweek Advent services. This is. Uh, they're, they're often, I think, probably shorter services in many settings. They're shorter than, than what we might find on uh, Sundays. But how can, how can we, as families, um, find this as a prime time for teaching kids about the service and, and uh, teach them about Advent? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, you know, because it is shorter... Um, you will have attention spans that <laughs> usually you can you can have them latch on to things a little bit tighter. Um, of course, because it is in the evening, one thing to consider is the, the very young children. Um, make sure they had a good nap that day. Um, but the the thing that I always encourage the kids and the families to do is to uh, to listen for a watchword. Um, you know, this last week was uh, John the Baptist uh, preaching, prepare. And the way in which we prepare is by repentance. And so the thing that I focused on with the children last week was uh, taught them the word repent and what it means uh, to turn away from our sins, to turn to the Lord, uh, to to, hear, to have his word actually um, move us into preparation. And uh, and so you, you teach them a watchword to listen for in that service. And during evening prayer, it's a little bit easy because... Um, or during Advent midweek services, depending on which service you're using, it's easy. You can either um, take a look at the hymns ahead of time, uh, or you can take a look at the readings ahead of time. And um, Or, because it is Advent, you can just choose some good Advent words. Uh, prepare, repent, hope, um, these, these various watchwords, and just tell the kids, listen for those things. Listen for anything that has to do with that. Um, write it down. You can tell the you know, older if they're older kids they're writing. You can have them write down whenever you hear something about that, um, and so you can um, you can get them to zero in on a concept that makes sure that they're they're listening to everything because they're filtering it mm-hmm. and listening for that one watchword. But it also is teaching them the theme of the season, and it's giving them some focus into um, into their their own personal meditation. It also means that I, as a parent, need to be listening more closely too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly, and that's one of the things that the kids keep us honest. Uh, mm-hmm. they, <laughs> we've we've had a number of kids that are asking their parents questions about the chrismans on the trees, and then the parents will pull me aside later on and they'll say, "Hey, what is this? What does this symbol mean?" I, <laughs> my kid asked me, and I don't know. So the, the kids help keep us honest, and they make sure that we that we that we also are learning too. What is going back to the the uh, parts of the service the. Um, how would you describe the, the tone of the collects during the, the collect prayer, the, the, the collects during the season of Advent? Yeah, this is, um, that's another just great um, heritage that we have in the collects in that we're, you know, it's these, uh, these stir up 
collects that we have. You know, last week we asked the Lord to stir up his power and come. And our readings were about how he came to us, um, how he came to his people at Mount Sinai. Um, and then, of course, that's connected to uh, to law and gospel, and then his coming to us um, hidden in, in human flesh in the womb of Mary. Um, and then this last week was to stir up our hearts and make us ready, which of course ties in beautifully with uh, the prophecy from Isaiah, to make ready in the wilderness the way of the Lord, and then, of course, summed up in John the Baptist's preaching of repent, uh, repentance as a way of being prepared. And so the, uh, the collect, they're, they're very brief, they're, they're very well distilled, and so you can actually you can pick up uh, good key watchwords out of the collects, too, um, and, and those really help give a lot of focus. Uh, one part of my sermon preparation every week is to take a look at the collect, and to see how the church has appropriated these things in her own prayers, and so uh, and so the colics have factored in pretty heavily in my preaching too, which of course then lends itself to when I tell when I tell the children to listen for a watchword. Um, it also is making sure that I'm putting that watchword in there so that they they have something to listen for. You mentioned earlier that this year the uh, there are some minor feasts or uh, you know observances of saints that that occur on uh, the same days as midweek services for you. What's coming up this week, and what will be the uh, the message or the theme this week? Yeah, this week it's uh, December thirteenth. It's um, Saint Lucia Day. Um, Saint Lucia was a, uh, a early Christian martyr in the third century, uh, born in the third century in Sicily. Uh, and she uh, she was martyred for the faith, refusing to uh, back down or recant when she was exposed as a Christian during the time of persecution under Diocletian. Um, and so her day has been associated uh, with, with light, um, especially in Scandinavian countries where they have very, very long nights during this time of year. Um, and so, you know, on St. Lucia Day, there will be girls that dress in white. They'll have a, right, a, a red sash um, as a symbol of her martyrdom. Um, so white for purity, red for martyrdom. Um, they'll, wear a, uh, they'll wear a little crown or wreath on their head with uh, candles that have been lighted. And uh, they'll distribute baked goods to remember her charity um, in helping the poor. And so this kind of helps us uh, focus on... Uh, and so what, what we'll be looking at on, uh, on this Wednesday is the reason why uh, Lucia, as this young girl, uh, could make such a bold confession of the faith, um, because she, she knew that her Lord had come, and she knew that he was coming again. And so um, it's, it's that hope that she had in the, um, the salvation that Christ had already won for her that helped her not to trust in uh, worldly wealth, which she gave away much to the chagrin of her betrothed, um, who was the one who exposed her as a Christian, uh, to the governor. Um, so to, to really look at the reasons that she had to hope, and those reasons are all found in Christ rather than the things of this world. And so that'll help us, um, you know, especially in this society where the main thing we want to talk about at Christmas is the, the stuff that we'll be getting, um, but to focus rather on the things that our Lord has given us uh, to hope in. Pastor Dolia, Anthony Oliphant at Redeemer Lutheran Church, Elmhurst, Illinois. Great tips for us as parents in uh, explaining, helping us understand Advent, how we can uh, observe and, and enjoy Advent with our children this season. Thanks so much, Pastor Oliphant. My pleasure. Coming up in just a little bit, how do you approach 
the holidays if you or a loved one are experiencing cancer. Our expert, Karen Tripp, founder of Cancer Companions, joins us to help us look at the holidays with cancer. You're listening to Faith and Family on Worldwide KFUO. Faith and Family is a production of KFUO Radio. Christ for you anytime, anywhere since 1924. Text the letters KFUO to 41444 to join the legacy with your tax-deductible gift.